0: through the fruit of the spirit each week taking a deep dive into a different a different fruit of the spirit a different component if you will of the fruit of the holy spirit understanding that that each of these that we study love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control each of these are a product of the holy spirit's work in our hearts and our lives and so today our focus is on peace how we can live with the peace that comes from the holy spirit that is the Product of the Holy Spirit in our lives, now, I dare say that every one of us in the room wants peace. We all want peace, we long for peace. Uh, very few people that I know don 't want peace in some form, and in fact, even those even those who i 've met along the way that it just seems like they 're always ready to pick a fight. Have you ever met that kind of person? Uh, if you haven't, maybe you are that person, right? And everybody's thinking about you. But you know, we, we've all known people that it just seems like, man, they're always ready to pick a fight. They're always. But even the people that I've known along the way that that seem like they're always looking for a fight. The truth is, if you could really drill down into what's driving them, what they want is they want peace. And and their their nature, their 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 wiring is that they want to be the one who's the defender, the protector. The you know, so they're going to work hard for peace, even if it means that they they've got to do battle. To, to make sure that we, we want peace. Maybe you've heard someone, well, you know, if you could ask for anything in the world and, and we hear sort of stereotypically, somebody says, I pray for world peace or I want world peace. Well, what, what is peace Really. Most of the time, we tend to think of peace as the absence of any kind of conflict or the absence of any kind of, of, of uh, a wrongdoing, the absence of strife, the absence of any kind of struggle. But I think when we really understand what the Bible is teaching us about peace, peace is more about completeness, it's more about wholeness. In fact, in the Old Testament, the word that is used in the Hebrew language is the word shalom. Maybe you've heard even, you've heard this is a greeting even, that people who speak Hebrew or Yiddish today, even they'll offer shalom as a greeting. And that word itself, it, it points toward wholeness. It's that state of being where everything is as it should be. Everything is right. Everything is, is, is whole. Everything is complete, That's the the shalom, that's the peace that the Bible speaks of. And we understand what is more that that peace comes in the presence of God the Father. It comes through the presence of God. And by virtue of the work of the Holy Spirit, that peace comes into our hearts through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Holy Spirit, producing peace in us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, the fruit, again, of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts to produce that kind of, that kind of uh, completeness, that kind of wholeness, where everything is as it should be. Because we know that in the presence of God and under the sovereign authority and the rule of God, truly, everything is as it should be. So even as Jesus prays in what we think of as the, uh, the, the model prayer, he prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus is praying even there and what he's teaching us to pray for is that we would pray that God's sovereign rule would work in our hearts so that everything would be as it should be. Now, if you know enough about the Bible and theology, and you know that that's not going to ultimately happen until someday with Jesus' second coming, with the, the advent, the return of Christ. And yet, Even in these moments, that's what we contend for. That's what we work for. That's our strive and our aim that we would live in such a way that we try to live with the wholeness, the completeness of God. But to do that means then that we need to live in his presence because that's where peace comes from. And so Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 tells us that, that peace is the product of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And what I want us to see this morning from the book of Philippians and the letter that Paul has written to the church in Philippi is that peace comes through pursuing the presence of God, that you can know peace through the presence of his Holy Spirit in your heart and that to the extent that you will pursue the Lord, you will live in his peace day by day. And so we're going to see that in Philippians chapter 4. Now, the verses we're going to read together are going to be Philippians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, but then we're going to expand and have a little bit broader context even as we walk through the the points of the message this morning to see how we have peace through the pursuit of the presence of God in our lives. Do You remember, uh, maybe you've you've seen or read about in history class, the... The signing of the the, the the terms of surrender, the Japanese terms of surrender, September the second, nineteen forty-five, aboard the USS Missouri, the Japanese Imperial Army s- signed uh, the terms of an unconditional surrender to General Douglas MacArthur, thus effectively ending World War II. And when you think back on that particular peace treaty or you think about any other peace treaty if you've ever studied history and you know you know that that peace treaties these peace treaties these these declarations that that bring about the the end of peace come at great cost because the reality is that in order for the two warring nations or in some cases such as like World War II, the many warring nations to arrive at a place where, there's, where they've reached or agreed upon terms of peace, that there was a lot of conflict involved in that. And that's the way it seems in our lives sometimes, doesn't it? It seems like in our pursuit for peace that we're, we have conflict all about and, and when we find peace sometimes it feels like that peace comes at a great cost, a great personal cost, because it's like we have to go through all these things to arrive at peace. What I want us to understand this morning is that in our pursuit of this perfect peace, in this pursuit of God's peace in our hearts, peace doesn't come through trying to fight battles, but rather pursuing the presence of the one who fought your greatest battle for you on the cross. The peace doesn't come from trying to win all the wars and win all the arguments and always be right and always do right and have but rather, peace comes through pursuing the one who has done those things perfectly for us on our behalf. Philippians chapter four verse seven. we read about the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this peace that we're pursuing, this peace that we desire, this peace even that is the product of the Holy Spirit, will guard our hearts. But how does that happen? It comes through faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus Christ, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, according to what Paul is writing here to the Philippians, and let's be fair, the Philippians were a church that were, they were embroiled in some some deep, some heavy conflict. They were, they were engaged with some really deep struggles and persecutions. And what Paul is saying is that the peace that you seek isn't going to come from fighting your battles, but rather turning to the one who fought your greatest battle for you on the cross. The peace that you seek, the peace that you desire, comes by drawing near to the one who has Power over your greatest enemy, sin and death. And by seeking to reflect him and, and honor him and everything, that's why we're, we're instructed here to think on these things, right? And to practice these things, is because peace comes as we draw near to the Lord. In his letter to the Philippians, as As Paul is writing about this kind of peace and he's encouraging them to pursue this peace through pursuing the Lord. There are five different ways that I see in this letter. And I I wanna give these to you briefly before we we come back to verses eight and nine, seven, eight, and nine, and, and, and really kind of finish again by letting that punctuate our study. The first thing that we see in what Paul's writing here is that the peace of God equips us to press on. Look at chapter 3, verses 12, and then again in verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 12, he writes, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Anybody feel like I haven't got it all figured out? I haven't already attained. I'm not already perfect. If you ever feel like, man, I, there's so much that I don't know, so much that I don't understand, then you're in good company because Paul's saying, hey, I'm there too. He says, but I press on. To make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That idea of pressing on, that's the struggle that we find ourselves in. I press on, I keep going, I keep running the race, if you will. I press on in spite of the trials, in spite of all the things that I face, knowing that the peace that I'm pursuing ultimately will come through the one that I'm pursuing, through Jesus. I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. So I press on for the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What are we pursuing? We're pursuing pursuing Jesus. We're, we're, We're pursuing him, pressing after his will, his purpose for our lives. And... And as we do, as we press on, we'll have peace. And it's through this peace even that we can keep pressing. And, and, and so you see that it, it's kind of like, it, like in some ways the old uh, stereotypical or, or I should say proverbial chicken and the egg, right? Which came first? Do we have peace or do we press on? Well, it's kind of both. We keep pressing because of the one who empowers us. And as we do, we have peace all the more. So the peace of God equips us to press on. Secondly, we see from what Paul writes that the peace of God empowers us to stand firm. As we press on, we'll face hardship, we'll face difficulty, just as the Philippians were. And as we do that, we can stand firm in the peace that comes through the work of the Father, the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Therefore, my brothers, this is chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. He's saying, stand firm. And as we do, we know that the peace of God will guard us. The peace of God will, will, will steady us. It will empower us. Where it is, how are we to stand firm? How can we stand firm in the midst of, how can you have peace? How can you have what seems like that the completeness, that wholeness? In the midst of your trial, it comes through the peace of God in your heart. We can stand firm, stand our ground, empowered by the work of the Lord, the Holy Spirit of God. Third, we see that the peace of God encourages us to work together. It encourages us to work together. Look at verses 2 and 3 in chapter 4. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Sintichi to agree in the Lord. Now, he's naming names here, but what he's saying is, I want you guys to work together. Yes, I ask you, also true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And so he's writing, you guys work together, partner together, get along with each other, work through the the, the things that that are happening. It's an encouragement here that we would partner together, that we would link arms, that we would work together to do the work of advancing the gospel. You can go back all the way to Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, and you can see that that's the goal, is to advance the gospel. And how is it that they're to advance the gospel? By, by standing firm, by, by striving together, Philippians 1, 27, 28, 29, as partners together for the gospel. And so the peace of God works in our hearts and it encourages us to work together. Listen, along the way, there are going to be people who upset you. There are going to be people who hurt your feelings. There are going to be people who offend you in some way. It happens. And the truth is, along the way, you're going to be the one hurting someone else's feelings. You're going to be the one offending someone else. You're going to be the one that, that, that someone else is displeased with. That happens. That's a part of life. And to the extent that we understand that, we should when we recognize it, we should acknowledge it. We, could, we should seek uh, forgiveness from those we have wronged. We should seek to forgive those who have wronged us. We should live at peace with each other. We should, we should try to reconcile our differences under the, the, the banner of Christ and the grace that's afforded to us. And all of that happens as the peace of God rules in our hearts. So that the peace of God is it's working in us, stirring in us. We're encouraged to get along. Now, that doesn't mean that you, that you always have to forget every wrong that's been done in the sense that you just sweep, you know, you lift up that that rug and, and you just sweep it all under that rug. Sometimes the hurt, the wrong, the pains that have been done are the kind of things that uh, that we don't just sweep under the rug and move on from. And yet, even in that, we have to reach the place where we where we forgive those who have wronged us as we have been forgiven in Christ, where we, where, we, where we don't hold it against them, but rather, as Paul encourages the Romans, that we let God be the one who visits justice on them. We let God be the one who, who works all of that out in his perfect timing. And we seek to forgive and to be at peace with one another. How does that happen? It happens as we spend time in the presence of the Lord. As we are molded and shaped by his word, his truth, as the Holy Spirit produces that fruit of peace in us. It encourages us to work together. Fourth, we see the peace of God enables us to rejoice. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Last week we studied joy. Joy as the the product of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Joy as the fruit of the Spirit. And we talked about the fact that that word rejoice is like an instruction. So joy is the thing that we seek, the thing that we pursue, the thing that we desire. It's that product of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And to rejoice is the instruction to live in that joy. It's the instruction to to camp there, to park there, if you will. So we're to rejoice in the Lord, not in hardship, not in difficulty, not in trial, not in pain, but rather in the Lord, whose presence we can experience even in the midst of those things. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he says rejoice. This peace of God enables us to rejoice. How can you rejoice in the midst of difficulty? Because you know the peace of God in your heart. Because the peace of God rules in your heart and in your soul. The the work of Holy Spirit transforming us from the inside out. That fruit of the Spirit enabling us to rejoice even in the midst of our difficulties. Finally, we see in verse 7 following that the peace of God encompasses us with strength. It encompasses us. It surrounds us. When I, That word "encompass" means that we're surrounded all, all around and in every sense that we're encompassed by the strength that comes from the Lord. You understand that this peace isn't something that's going to come naturally to you. It's the product of the Holy Spirit in your life. As you draw near to the Lord, as the Spirit works in your heart to produce the peace of God, so that you can can stand in his strength. You can press on, stand firm, work together, rejoice in the midst of suffering because you are encompassed by the strength that comes from the Lord. And then we arrive at verse seven, right? All of that, it's like that sets the table. Now here's, here's what we delight in. Here's the feast of the goodness of God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we all want to live in the peace of God. We all want to live feasting on the goodness of God, the presence of God, the peace of God in our hearts. But that comes as we allow his Holy Spirit to work in us, to equip us to press on to empower us to stand firm, to encourage us to work together, enabling us to rejoice, encompassing us with strength so that we can truly experience his peace in our hearts. There are two components to God's peace that we see, in, particularly in verses 8 and 9 here. And this is really where I want us to, to kind of camp out as we as, as we reflect on and think on these truths that we might apply this to our lives. Two things in particular. In verse 8, I think we see it's, it's the struggle for our mind. And in verse, uh, in, in verse 9, we see it's the struggle for our behavior, right? So it's, it's our beliefs and, and our behavior. What we, what we think on and what we practice. That's the way that it's framed here in verse 8 and 9. So what are we to think on? We're to think on whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Anything that fits this category, that's what we're to reflect on. That's what we're to think on. The truth is that for many of us, the the battlefield for peace, if you will, really is in our mind, isn't it? The battlefield for many... of of, of where we really struggle and strive to experience peace is is internal rather than external. And that's this component of the mind that Paul addresses here. It's It's the struggle internally to experience God's peace. And what he's saying is the way that we experience that peace is to anchor our minds to God's truth. To anchor our minds to what the Lord has revealed to us. Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. This is the truth of God. Where do we we see that truth? How do we know that truth? Well, it's all around us, but principally, we're going to engage with that truth as we study the scripture, as we engage with his word that he's given us. So many times people say, I'm struggling to know God's peace. And one of, the, one of the key questions that you need to ask yourself is, okay, well, are you, are you spending time with the Lord? Are you spending time in His Word? Are you studying the Scripture? Are you, are you reflecting on His truth? Are you hiding it away in your heart? Because the battlefield for peace in your life is going to happen internally in your mind. And the weapon that the Lord has given you to wage that warfare is his word of truth. So that no matter what you encounter, no matter what you come up against, no matter what lies you may face in this world, God has given us his word of truth. And it's a weapon that we can use to, to defend ourselves from the attack of the enemy. And so we find peace as we, as we reflect on God's truth, as we study his word and, and, and we internalize it. This is why the scriptures tell us again and again, it gives us the command, taste and see, taste and see. It has to be an instruction that we're to internalize. That's really what that means, right? To taste and see that the Lord is good. To taste and see, delight in, means that we would internalize these truths as we internalize this truth and we think on these things. So look at this list. How does your thought life compare to this list? How does your thought life stack up against? How does your internal barometer of your spiritual truth, how does it match this list of things? If you want to have peace in your heart, then you've got to internalize the word of God. And you've got to recognize that one of the key battlefields for peace is the mind, which is why we're instructed to think on these things. But not only that, we also find that the, uh, another principal battlefield for, for peace in our hearts is in our behaviors. Because what is the thing that really trips us up? It's the things that we do, Right? It's the mistakes that we make, the way that we stumble and fall along the way, which is why he's given us the second encouragement in verse 9. The peace of God should shape our belief, and the peace of God should shape our behavior. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And then here's the key word, practice these things. So if we're encouraged in verse 8 to think about these things in verse 9, we're encouraged to practice these things. It's, it's the other side of that equation. So we internalize it as we think on, as we reflect on, and we, as we practice, practice this, we, we externalize it in a sense. We, we live it out. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's where what's internal is really seen for what it is, Is the way that we live. As we practice godly behavior, what we've Learned and received and heard and seen. Paul was not perfect. Paul was not a perfect man by any means because there are no perfect men but Jesus alone. And yet, Paul lived the kind of life rooted in his faith, grounded in the word of truth, anchored to his hope in the Lord that he could say with confidence Hey, if you want to know what real peace looks like, follow my lead do what you see me doing. I long to be that kind of man. And I, I think there are moments maybe when by God's grace, I, I, I do an okay job. And then there are other moments when I'd probably do a terrible job of this. But I long to, to live with that kind of confidence, that kind of witness, that kind of boldness that we could say what you have learned and and, and seed and heard and received in, in me. Practice these things. Do, you want to know what it looks to live in peace? Then follow my lead, follow my example. That's what Paul's saying. Where does that confidence come from? It comes from, first of all, internalizing the truth and then living it out, practicing it for others to see. I'm grateful for people in my own life who have been that example for me. But on Father's Day especially, I can say, Praise the Lord, I'm grateful for a dad who was a great example of this for me in my life. I praise God. I know not everybody has that, but I did. I had a a great dad who was a wonderful example to me of what it means to internalize truth and live it out. And by God's grace, that's the very thing that I want to be for my children as well. But not just for the dads, for all of us, right? That we would all seek to live this way. The peace of God would shape our our, our thoughts. It would shape our our mind, our belief, and that it would also shape our behaviors, our, practically speaking, the things that you do, right? And then look at what he says. This is so important. The final phrase of verse 9 is so good. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, all morning, what we've been talking about is the peace of God, the peace of God, that we want the peace of God. We pursue the peace of God. We seek after the peace of God. We internalize the word of God, the truth of God, so that we will externalize, that we will live out his peace practically in the way that we live. But don't miss what Paul is saying here because the word order is important. He does not say, let's let's look at what he does not say. And he does not say that, the peace of God will be with you. Rather, he says, the God of peace will be with you. And that is so important because what we want is God's peace. But what we must understand is that we will never have that peace, that shalom, that completeness, that wholeness apart from the presence of God. It doesn't exist. The only place that that can be found ultimately is in the presence of God. But I'm here to tell you that wherever the presence of God is, the peace of God reigns. That there is no doubt in his presence. There is no struggle in his presence. There is no fear, no worry, nothing to overcome in the perfect presence of God. Now, this side of heaven, that's what we pursue, right? Go back to chapter 3, verses 12 and 14. I press on. I make it my goal. Chapter 4, verse 1, I stand for—that's what we're pursuing, right? That's what we're after is that presence of God that gives us his peace. And we know that this side of heaven, we'll never know it perfectly the way that we one day will in his presence. And yet, that's the pursuit. That's the aim, day by day, to be in the presence of God to pursue Him, to seek after Him, to live in His Word, to live according to His truth, to practice the things given to us as an example, as the witness, the testimony of Scripture, knowing that as we experience the presence of God in our hearts through the power of His Holy Spirit, we will know His peace. Because wherever the presence of God is, the peace of God reigns. As Paul writes, now we know this in a mirror dimly. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but someday we'll know it face to face. Now we see in part, someday we will know in full as we seek to live in the presence of God. So it should shape our beliefs. It should shape our behaviors. It ought to... Shape the things we think about, the things that we dwell on, the things that we celebrate, the things that we reflect upon, as well as the things that we do, how we treat others, the way we talk to others, the way that we engage with people that that have nothing to offer us, the way that we treat the outsider, the least of these, the people on the fringes. All of that falls under this this auspice of, of the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts and his governance of our pursuit of peace. that We seek to live in the peace of God, letting it shape our beliefs, letting it shape our behaviors so that we might model God's sovereign rule in, in our lives. That's what it means to pursue his peace. My prayer today is that you would know the peace of God. In a moment, we're gonna move into a time of response, a time of invitation. As even, even as we move into that Time of response in a moment. I wonder, how are you doing with peace? Are you living with peace? Are you experiencing God's peace in your heart? Are you struggling to experience God's peace? Or are you finding that? I would dare say that every one of us in the room, myself included, certainly myself included, if we were being honest, we would say, yeah, I mean, I wish I had more peace. we must recognize that we will never have peace apart from the presence of God. And that begins by faith as we trust in Jesus, as we trust him for the forgiveness of our sin, as we confess him as Lord and Savior and we surrender our hearts and our lives to him. But then it continues day by day, moment by moment, as we pursue him and we seek to live in his presence, empowered by his Holy Spirit, our minds and our behaviors shaped by his truth, we might know his peace and be a living witness to the world around us of the peace of God. I pray that you would live with God's peace in our time of response today. If God's speaking to you, maybe today is the day that you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus. Then even as we stand in a moment, we sing this song together, I would encourage you, that you would come forward. Brad and I will be here at the front. Our staff here standing at the front. We'd love to pray with you a prayer of commitment that you would surrender your life to Jesus, that you would trust him for the forgiveness of your sin, that you would start this journey of experiencing and living in his peace. Maybe you've taken that step before and you've surrendered your heart to Jesus, but the truth is it's still a a struggle for the mind and the the behavior, the belief in the behavior. Can I encourage you today? You're not alone. In fact, we're all there. Keep going. Press on, stand firm as you pursue the presence of God. And as you pursue him, you'll experience his peace in your heart and your life. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we are so grateful that we can know your peace because of your presence in our hearts. And God, we trust that 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 is not because we are good enough. It's not because we are holy enough. Lord, it is completely the work of your grace, completely the work that you have made available and given freely to us even as a gift that we might live in that, that we might walk by faith. And as we pursue you, Lord, may your peace rule in our hearts. May your Holy Spirit produce that fruit of righteousness in us. That we, might, that we might experience the peace internally, inwardly, but then we may externalize it in such a way that, that we, we live in light of that for the world to see, and thus pointing others to faith in Jesus. Move in us now, God, that we would experience your peace. As we reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus, which purchased our peace, the cross of Christ, where that victory was won on our behalf. Lord, we want to just turn our hearts to you in praise, thanking you for what you've done for us. And all of this we pray in your name, Jesus.